Hello, and welcome to season three of Grace Point Go, Grace Point's podcast where you can listen to sermon audio from our Sunday morning worship services, as well as interviews and conversations and deep dives all on the go. Today, I'm joined by Randy Nelson in the podcast studio to talk about the problem of suffering. How do we know that God is good despite there being suffering in our world? This is one of the topics we covered today, and Randy shares his wisdom from years of teaching and studying and his own relationship with Jesus. So we thank you so much for joining us. We thank you, for Randy, for joining us in the studio today. Thanks. Hello. Hi, how are you? Good. Welcome to our um, podcast nook at the church. Um, excited to have you today. Um, any, um, I'm trying to think of what's a good way to start this. How about um, what, what do you do outside of Grace Point? So I'm a, a college professor at the University of Northwestern in St. Paul. I've been there for 25 years and I teach mostly New Testament classes, some theology. Uh, okay. It's been a while since I've taught Greek, but I've taught Greek and things like that. What is your favorite um, book of the Bible to preach on? Or not to preach on, to, to, to teach on? Yeah, so I, I love teaching on the Gospels. One of my favorite courses that I've taught just about every year for 25 years is The Life of Christ. And we use a harmony of the Gospels that weaves together Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John into a single chronology. And uh, it's just fun uh, to introduce students to the life of Jesus. They committed their life to Christ, but they don't always understand the kinds of things he said and did, especially within their historical context. So I, I love teaching that class. Cool. That's awesome. What do you do for fun? I, I ride my motorcycle. I, I've got a, a motorcycle I've ridden uh, with the guys here, the Christian Motorcycle Association, yep. but I've got another group of friends that I ride with. My daughter uh, just bought a motorcycle, so we uh, went out a couple times this weekend, and that's great and wonderful therapy for me. Okay. Yeah. So what do you do in the winter when you can't ride your bike? I pretend I'm riding my motorcycle. Okay. Uh, you know, <laughs> you, you, you get busy with things, and I, I like to go to movies. I like watching um, uh, action-type comedy movies and uh, spending time with family. I uh, like to work out, but yeah, winters are kind of slow for me. I, I do look forward to the summer, spring and summer, and just enjoy getting out. Yeah, absolutely. That's, yeah. that's good. Um, so today, the topic that we're covering is the problem of suffering. Um, and this is something that a lot of people, it's, it's relevant to people who are both outside of Christianity, who have concerns like, well, how does a good God, how can you believe a, a God is good or your God is a good God if there is suffering in the world? Um, but then also for us in the church who experience suffering because we still live on earth, because we still struggle with human nature, um, and also just the fact that we live in a fallen world, suffering is a reality. So it's very relevant for people in the church as well. Um, so how about we just start with that big question. Um, what is, why does suffering exist? How would you explain that, first of all, to maybe someone who's outside the church or does not believe in God? Why does suffering exist? Yeah, so uh, yeah, I agree with you. Suffering is an important topic. I would say that it's uh, one of the reasons people stay away from the church and stay away from God. I think it's also the number one reason that people walk away from God. Mm -hmm. I, I think that uh, when life's going smoothly, it's it's easier to believe in God. When things get really difficult, it's hard to imagine there's a, a loving God who's all-powerful who can really stop these things and chooses not to do it. Yeah. So uh, where does suffering come from? Uh, you go back to Genesis chapters 1 and 2, and, and uh, we have a good God who creates a good universe, and he gets them creating humans, and he says it's very good. Uh, but then you get to chapter 3 of Genesis, and things go badly. Uh, we've got an event called the fall. Uh, God sets some moral parameters for free moral agents, and they choose to do wrong. 
uh, and they suffer the consequences of that. God curses the earth. We're alienated from our Creator. The world we live in is not uh, exactly as God had created it. Uh, we're a sinful people living in a cursed earth under Satan's rule, and suffering's now the norm. Uh, death is now the norm. Pain is now the norm, uh, and it's part of the fallen world we live in. And uh, we we need to take some of the responsibility for that as humans. Uh, a lot of our suffering is due to our bad choices or the bad choices of other people. We also need to acknowledge that God uh, sometimes allows suffering, as he did with Job. Uh, and there are even times where God causes suffering. He punishes people. He disciplines uh, those he loves, just as the father disciplines a child. Mm-hmm. And sometimes God tests us to purify our faith. So there are a lot of reasons for suffering. Yeah, absolutely. Um how do we know that God is good when suffering is such a prevalent reality in our world? Yeah, I think it's a great question. Uh, I think the, the witness of Scripture is overwhelming that God is good from Genesis to Revelation. Jesus exemplifies God's goodness. He he cared for people. He was empathetic. He reached out to people who were marginalized in society. Uh, we're told in Scripture that God makes his son and rain to fall upon the righteous and the wicked. Uh, the world that we live in is conducive to our well-being, and for the most part, we have a pretty good existence. And I really do encourage people to keep a um, a prayer journal or a Thanksgiving mm. journal, because I think when we suffer sometimes, the suffering becomes the center of our life, and we sometimes magnify it out of proportion compared to the goodness that happens in our life and happens in the life of other people. So, yeah, I want to affirm that God is good. I, again, I think that's the uh, overwhelming uh, witness of Scripture, and I think our personal testimonies, uh, if we keep track of, of God's goodness and how many ways He blesses us every day, is we take a lot of that for granted, though. Mm, absolutely. Yeah. Um, do you think sometimes we... Um, do you think sometimes we overcomplicate these this question um there's a lot of people who are um like we live in a world that generally focuses on a lot of negatives in the world just look at the the news and why is news news it's because that's what people read that's what people take in um but how how do we in a world that's so negative and focuses on suffering and we talk about suffering we hear all the time how do we kind of as Christians and as believers, counter that with the simplicity of God's goodness better? How do we focus and meditate on his goodness more? Yeah, I, I think... You, you mentioned a prayer journal. Obviously, that's a good way to start. Yeah, I think so. And then the other thing I encourage um, people to do is, is develop an eternal perspective. Mm. You know, our life on this earth is relatively short in comparison to, uh, to eternity. Uh, you live 70, 80, maybe 90 years at best, and you divide that by eternity, and it really amounts to nothing. And yet... Uh, our life here is so determinative of where our eternal home is going to be. So uh, it's important what we do, but we need to keep it in perspective. And I think you're right. I, I think that a lot of us become pessimistic, and, and pessimism leads to cynicism. Yeah. Um, and, and, and we don't want to be cynical. The Bible talks about hope. Yes. Of all right. people, we're supposed to be hopeful. Uh, we grieve, for sure. We grieve loss, but we don't grieve like others who have no hope. We have hope. And so I think cultivating hope is such an important part of being a Christian and developing that eternal perspective. Mm, absolutely. Um, you've taught on this before here, um, and you, I'm sure you, you've thought about this and taught about this elsewhere as well, but what are some practical ways that we can find comfort and to comfort others in the midst of, of suffering? Just, just some practical ways that we can find comfort. Yeah, so 2 Corinthians chapter 1 talks about how uh, God comforts us when we suffer so that we can comfort others 
when they suffer, and it really is hard to uh, develop the virtue of empathy if you've never suffered. Mm. Uh, in fact, I think you could make the case that those who have the greatest depth of character are those who have gone through the greatest amount of suffering. And, and so I reach out when I'm going through suffering. I deal with anxiety. Uh, and when I'm going through an, uh, an episode of anxiety, I reach out to people, uh, and they uh, they talk with me. Uh, they often just have a ministry of presence. Uh, Christian fellowship is so important. Yeah. And I think the other side of that is prayer. You yeah. know, God says that he comes alongside the brokenhearted, uh, and there's so many promises we can play, uh, claim uh, that God comes al- alongside of us. Uh, uh, faith isn't something that we uh, muster up and overcome. It's it's something that it's, it's like uh, reaching for a life preserver. We're reaching to, uh, out to God, and we're grabbing onto him, and only onto him. And this third one is uh, might surprise you, but worship. Uh, and, and in particular, lament, uh, psalms, uh, everybody loves the psalms, but the most dominant kind of psalm is a psalm of lament, uh, where the authors pour out their heart to God because of their suffering, uh, but they always end with a, 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 a note of trust, a hope, Lord, I, I know that you can save me from whatever this difficulty is. And I think worship mm. is so overlooked, and it's hard mm. in the midst of suffering. You know, you think about Job. You know, yeah. uh, naked I came from mother's womb, naked I shall return. Uh, the Lord gives, the Lord takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Yeah, uh, I'd like to think those would be the words that I would utter, but uh, it really stands as an ideal for us, I think, as Christians. Wow. Um, I, I tend to think, um, just looking at my own life, I haven't experienced a lot of suffering. I'm still young. I was born into um, a really healthy family and i've experienced especially just living in you know western the western world and in the context that i live in the western world i haven't experienced a lot of suffering um how first before i get to some other questions that i have um how can i relate and sympathize for those who who have been experiencing suffering more especially suffering that I may not experience in the Western world. I may experience loss, but I may not experience need the same way, or I may not experience trauma the same way. How can I better like, reflect Christ more in my life by empathizing and caring for those who do experience suffering and understanding their suffering more? I don't know. Did you read the book uh, Just Mercy by Brian Stevenson or see the movie that came out? No. He's got a line uh, that really uh, stuck with me, and it it, it kind of haunts me. Uh, And he says, if you want to minister like Jesus, get proximate to suffering. Wow. And and everything inside of me cries to run away from suffering, my own and and especially uh, the suffering of others. And yet if I want to have the heart of Jesus... Uh, if I really want to be compassionate, I need to get proximate to those who are suffering. And so, you know, if you've been privileged for whatever reasons in the society you're, you're raised in or the family you're raised in, try to get proximate. Uh, become involved in ministries. There are so many outreaches to mm. people who are hurting and hurting seriously. It'll take your mind off your uh, trivial problems, and it'll, it'll cultivate that uh, compassion that uh, Christ had. That's really good. Really yeah. good advice. Um, to go along with that question... Um, I don't know who's listening to this. I don't know how much suffering, um, if you're listening, how, how much suffering you've experienced in your life. But if you are like me and you have maybe not experienced a ton of suffering in your life, how do you prepare for the eventual suffering? 
just even in suffering, like we, you've talked about anxiety, you've talked about different types of suffering, but mm-hmm. that can come in all short sorts of shapes and sizes. Suffering can mean short. It can mean relative to <laughs> what you're experiencing. Um, How can I prepare more for, for more suffering in life? Yeah, uh, Peter talks about not being surprised at the suffering you're experiencing. So suffering is part of the the human condition, and uh, we shouldn't be surprised by it. Uh, when you have anxiety like I do, you tend to anticipate suffering that uh, it typically doesn't happen. It's like sitting in a rocking chair. It gives you something to do, but it doesn't get you anywhere. Hmm. Uh, and uh, so I, there's a phrase that I've, I've learned to repeat. Uh, I'll cross that bridge when I get to it with God's help. And a lot of times I never get to that bridge. I anticipate it, and I get anxious about it, but I never get to that bridge. Uh, and so I think I've tried to develop this this mindset that, you know what, uh, Lord, if if I get to that bridge, um, you're going to help me yeah. figure it out. Yeah. Uh, you're going to bring people alongside of me. You know, when I first, I had my first anxiety attack, must have been about a dozen years ago, and I knew, I absolutely knew in my heart of hearts, I did not have the skill set to deal with this. I went to a counselor, a Christian counselor. I sought help. Uh, my family of origin had not prepared me for a, a panic attack, uh, and and I got help. Uh, and uh, support groups, counselors, doctors, uh, they can all help you. And I think even learning from fellow Christians. Uh, my wife likes to read biographies. Uh, read biographies of people who have uh, survived suffering and mm-hmm. are on the other side of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, often they have insight into what God has worked through that suffering. I don't think that suffering has to be gratuitous without value or meaning, but I think sometimes we have to look hard to find the meaning in the suffering, and sometimes it's like anything else, we see it more clearly in the uh, rearview mirror. Yeah, um, absolutely. Yeah. How do, if, if, if you're in a season of no suffering and life is, maybe it's a time of just fruitful time with the Lord, maybe it's a time of just experiencing blessing, maybe it's a time of we, you know, refer, I guess we refer to them in, in kind of a churchy way as on top of the mountain, we're not in a valley, I'm on, I'm on top of this high. How do we steward those good times, those times where we're maybe not experiencing that better? How do we, how do we steward blessing? How do we steward no suffering better so that we are better, either better equipped to deal with other people's suffering or better equipped to deal with our own? I think sometimes, you know, when we are blessed, we sometimes feel guilty for being blessed because there's so many people who are suffering. Uh, Paul uh, in First Timothy 6 says that God blesses us for our enjoyment. Mm. When we're blessed and we're going through those seasons, those mountaintop ex- uh, uh, experiences, I think we should enjoy it. I think we should fully embrace it, celebrate it, and be grateful for it. But I also think we should share. Uh, we should share that joy with other people. Uh, when Paul talks to those who are wealthy in Ephesus, 1 Corinthians 6, he tells them to enjoy that, but also to share it, to be generous with it. Uh, don't hoard it. I think God blesses us to be a blessing, but I don't think we need to feel guilty mm-hmm. about the blessings. I think he gives it to us. It's really and good. in fact, I think our enjoyment gives pleasure to God. Yeah. I mean, when you give a Christmas present to somebody, you give a Christmas present to your kid, and they get excited about it, and they are grateful for it, oh, that brings you tremendous joy. And I've got to believe the same thing is true with our Heavenly Father. That's good. And like what you just said, like how much, like uh, an earthly father knows how to get, give good gifts to his children. How much more will a heavenly father be able to give good gifts? Um, you, you already spoke to um, just the reality of anxiety and, re- and increasingly um, maybe, maybe the more that we talk about it, maybe the more that our, the next generation experiences it, um, it, it becomes more of a prevalent 
issue. Uh, Steve and I had a podcast episode a couple weeks ago where we talked a little bit about it. Neither of us are experts in that field at all. Um, but just just talking about biblical and spiritual advice um, for dealing with some, some anxiousness in our life. Could you speak a little bit more to the suffering of anxiety um, and how to find some sort of hope and encouragement when it really does not feel like you can find, you can see that light? So uh, fear uh, sees a danger. Anxiety anticipates a, ja- a danger. Mm. So there's no lion in front of you, but there might be a lion out there somewhere that yeah. you're going to come across. And so yep. that's what that's what produces anxiety. What I haven't found helpful, and I hate to say this, but the, the verses that say, do not be anxious. Yeah, right. Oh, man, I'd be, uh, oh, I, that would be lovely to snap yeah. your finger and the anxiety goes away. Though right. I, I don't find those verses helpful. The verses I do find helpful are the verses that promise God's presence with you. God commands you to be strong and courageous because... He's going to be with you, and that's what's going to enable you to be strong and courageous. You can't muster up enough faith on your own, but God's presence can give you that. And so when I go through my seasons of anxiety, and they kind of come and go for me, um, I turn to God, and Mm -hmm. I look at His promises in Scripture, and I claim those promises, and I lean into Him. Uh, And uh, they they can be a sweet time of of fellowship and worship uh, with God. And uh, they're not fun to go through. I'm glad when I'm on the other side of them. But I also see them as very productive times to draw closer to my Heavenly Father. So yeah. if you don't have anxiety, I, I would be grateful for that. I think it's wonderful. And the truth of the matter is, we all have issues. We just have them in is- different areas to different degrees. That's good. One of the reasons, and this is one of the reasons why I love talking to people who have a little bit more life experience than I do, is I love kind of gleaning some wisdom. Um, talking a little bit about... Um, suffering and joy and blessing and hardship and kind of just like the juxtaposition of those realities. Um, how, how has experiencing anxiety or experiencing whatever suffering you've experienced in your life enhance seasons of joy with the Lord? Yeah, I, I think the contrast is is inevitable. And, and uh, you know, when you have bad experiences, it makes you appreciate the good experiences. And, and I suppose you could argue that's one of the reasons we have suffering in the world today. Uh, it's hard to imagine somebody mustering up courage mm. without suffering. Mm. It, it's hard to imagine somebody cultivating the virtue of patience or even empathy without suffering. Wow. Uh, so I, I think, again, enjoy the good times when they come. Praise the Lord for those. Uh, but also look for opportunities to grow uh, during those hard times. I, I look at uh, Romans chapter 5, James chapter 1, where God uses suffering to cultivate Christ-like virtues in us and, and be open to that. Uh, I think it's easy to roll into a ball and, and uh, try to just survive the suffering, but what if we use that as an opportunity to grow and become stronger in our faith and prepare us better for eternity with our Heavenly Father? Yeah. That seems like a better use. And again, uh, suffering doesn't have to be gratuitous. We can actually find meaning and value through the suffering. Yeah. Um, one thing I think a lot of people struggle with in the midst of suffering is, and when like what you said earlier, a reason why a lot of people walk away from the Lord is because you can say, you know, all day long that the Lord is good despite suffering. The Lord is good despite evil in the world. But a lot of people will go, well, is the Lord bringing that on me? And they'll look at verses like James, like the Lord disciplines those who he loves, and they'll say, yeah. is he, am I suffering because he loves me? Yeah. I, am I being disciplined because God knows me? Is, did I do something wrong? Or is God just doing this to build character? Quotations. Um, how do you explain either the sovereignty of God or explain 
like the Lord's intention despite suffering? Is is he bringing that on you to afflict you like like a Job situation or is he using a situation to make you more like him? How what is he trying to do in suffering? Yeah, these are really easy questions. Uh, so well, here, here's what I, I, I taught uh, the class here last spring. You know, there are eight solutions to the problem of suffering. Four of them, I think, uh, have some biblical merit to them. Uh, the truth of the matter is they're all human constructs, uh, and mm. it's our best guess. Uh, I think what I can do is I can give you the lay of the land and say here are some possible reasons for suffering. What I can't do, your child dies in a car accident. I can't tell you why that happened. I, I don't know. I, I don't have God's perspective on that. Mm. Here are some possible reasons why it happened. But when I go through suffering, I do look for opportunities for growth. Uh, and I do consider the possibility that God is disciplining me. He may or may not be disciplining me. This could be simply part of the human condition that we're in. And uh, I lost my hearing two years ago. 96% hearing loss in my left ear. Never recovered it. Okay, yeah, it is what it is, and I've moved on. I've tried to recover it, but it, uh, it was, uh, uh, was meant to be. And so you accept things, and then you move on. And I think that's true with uh, suffering as a whole. You, uh, you don't always know the reason. In fact, here's something I tell my students. I said, you know, there are questions that we're not going to figure out this, time, uh, this side of eternity. Uh, put it on your post-mortem list of questions to ask God. Uh, Deuteronomy 29, 29, the secret things belong to the Lord our God, but the things revealed belong to us and our children forever. There are secret things we're not going to uh, figure out this side of eternity, mm-hmm. and I can't explain every incident of suffering. Okay, so I can say generally, here are some reasons why you may have suffered, but I really don't know. Uh, this last one is called the mystery defense, where, you know what? I'm going to give God the benefit of the doubt. I don't understand this, Lord. Uh, you and I are going to have a conversation when I see you face-to-face. But right now, I'm going to give you the benefit of the doubt, and I'm, I'm going to move forward in faith. Yeah, that's really wise. That's yeah. really wise. Um, I guess I just want to kind of start to wrap things up with this question. Um, last week, I talked to um, Brandon, our missions deacon, about missions and the importance of missions and what that means, not just globally and goers and senders, but the fact that we're all called to the same thing. We're all called to represent Jesus wherever we go um, and to make disciples when we can. Um, My question, especially when suffering, is what is some advice you've either given to your students or given to younger people in general or older people who are have questions about defending the faith and talking about the Lord's, you know, talking about the Lord's goodness despite suffering? How would you encourage someone to go about either preparing themselves or being in a position where they can address some of those questions that people are going to bring to them about, is God good? How is he good? How do you know he's good? When those are questions that are berated at you in in the world. Yeah, so you're moving into the realm of what's called apologetics. It's making yep. a defense for the faith, and there are a variety of topics that are addressed in there. You know, can you prove that God exists? What's the evidence for God's existence? But one of the biggest issues, and there's always a chapter in any book on apologetics, and there are actually a lot of good w- websites on this, why do we suffer? Uh, why do bad things happen to good people? It's a perennial question. It's not going to go away. Uh, but I do think it's important that we're prepared uh, because what I find is people who are the most receptive to the Lord are often those who are going through suffering. And, and you better be prepared. Uh, again, you, you, you don't want to play armchair theologian and, and try to uh, guess why they're going through suffering. That's not your purpose. But be there for the ministry of presence. And at some point, 
they're going to start asking the why question. Uh, and it'd be good to be prepared to say, well, yeah. here are some possible reasons why, but a lot of times we just don't know. Uh, and in spite of that, we trust God. I mean, you look at the people who have suffered the greatest in the history. Look at Corrie Ten Boom, you know, being in a, a Nazi concentration camp. She praises the Lord. She forgave the German uh, guards uh, that uh, persecuted her when she was in prison. How, how do you do that apart from the grace of God? Uh, and and uh, again, I, I think reading biographies about people like her it can be so powerful and strengthening your own faith. That's good. Yeah. That's really good. Um, thank you so much for coming in and sharing some of your wisdom today. Is there any closing thoughts on some of the topics we talked about today? Any encouragements you have for people in general? <laughs> Yeah, no, Levi, thanks. This has been uh, great. It's uh, it's an interesting topic. You know, oftentimes when I teach at Northwestern, I'll take what I, I teach and I'll bring it to a, a church setting and teach that in a church setting. This last spring when I taught on suffering, I, I spent a lot of time preparing for those Sunday school classes. I've now created a course at Northwestern entitled The Problem of Suffering. So this has actually been a kind of a different experience for me, uh, taking what I've done in a church setting and bringing it to an academic setting. So it's such an important mm. topic, and and I know the people who came to the class were really appreciated. We had some really good discussion in there, and I think a lot of them really uh, felt the Lord's presence and uh, maybe felt that they had some answers to their own suffering. Yeah, that's um, good. That's really good. I Suffering is a, is a big topic, and you've talked about, like, you can... Con- condensing a course down to a you know 25 minute podcast or whatever this is going to end up being is yeah. is a lot but i i appreciate some of the wisdom that you shared just practically for people who have experienced suffering who maybe don't experience suffering very often and for for the in between and how to prepare for it i really appreciate some of the things you said today i think it's just something i'll be chewing on for a little bit so thank you um and if you are listening today Um, We'll see you again next Wednesday for another conversation. Thank you for tuning in today. Bye.